Pudge, what time is it's it? It's time for the Chubby Guys podcast. Woo! Frankfurt yeah. Adina, were you a warrior? I Good was. start it, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving Tyler the cue. We'll go ahead. Yeah. We'll just go ahead and fire up. Yeah, let's go. Because if I'm not careful with Chad, he'll I'll have, have, he'll have, I'll have it done before we're ready to go. So it's Dr. Is there any other title other than Dr. Seaver? No, nah, you can just call me Bill. Bill, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. We can call that me works. Pudge. Chubby Pudge, Chubby Chan. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, cheers! Well, well, yeah, cheers! cheers welcome to you, to the my show. friend. Yes, appreciate Thanks you guys for coming me in, down. man. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. Well, we appreciate and, you coming down. And you said that you are out of the capital of the universe. That's right, Frankfurt, yeah. Ohio. Frankfurt, Ohio. That's yes. right. Born yeah. and raised. Born and raised. And you, you were an Adina Warrior. I was. Okay. Now, did you play any uh, sports in high school there? I did. Well, I attempted to. Okay. Why? Well, I mean, that's that's all that really counts. You know, <clears throat> football was always my love. Yeah. And. You know, I had a decent junior year, but um, had some games that didn't go my way. Um, but basketball turned out to probably be my best sport. Oh, okay. I was a warm-up All-American. <laughs> Great at shooting layups. I used to average 30 in warm-ups. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That's man. a true story. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, see, I wasn't even that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In basketball, yeah. I couldn't even, uh, yeah. I couldn't score in warm-ups. So, you couldn't? You know. No man, I was not. Uh, I was not a scoring threat. More of a defensive presence uh, there for the rebounds. And warm ups, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwing it back to the shooters, you know. And not only was I warm up all American, I looked awesome doing it. Oh well, that's see, yeah. that's the key, man. And it's wear, back. Wear, wear the uniform well. Yeah, wear it well. And now it's back. Had okay. a, I mean, just a raging mullet. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, Sides right shaved. Yeah, yeah. What yep. years are we talking here, man? Um. 1988 to 1991. Dude, we're the same age. Are we really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember the mollets, man. That was right Oh, there. they were thick back in y'all's era. Oh, yeah, yeah man. They were, they, were, they were thinning out by the time they got up in the late 90s. I was yeah. 99. Yeah. You graduated in 99? Yeah. 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 yeah I was a 91 guy, man. And, uh, you know, there was, it was, they were alive and well. Yeah. I mean, we had them. We had yeah. them. No, we Matter had of fact, of I may have had the first mullet in Ohio. Is that right? You, Maybe. You, you were an early adopter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise known as a Kentucky waterfall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard that Canadian waterfall. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the yep, nope. You want yeah. that cut in the front? Yep. Back. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, yeah. have to, you have to excuse Chad and I. We both, I think there's fentanyl in the allergies here. Yeah, I don't year. know what's going on, pollen. man. Yeah, wow. I, I, it's It's got me neutralized. I, I have been fighting these allergies horrifically. Well, I, I've gone so far as I, I've made an appointment. I've had enough. Really? I'm, yeah. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to an allergist to get tested. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've been on Zyrtec now for several years, but hey, man, it's time to, mm-hmm. something going on here, man. You know <laughs> what? That could be a symptom that your gallbladder's gone bad. Oh my God! Really? He may need his gallbladder out. Oh my God! Oh, man, that's I, 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 I hope you're joking, dude. <laughs> shameless plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for yeah, so so from the, you know, and if I need my gallbladder out, yeah, I know that, a guy that can do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I happen to know a guy. <laughs> Smooth yeah. play. Yeah, Smooth very, play right very, there. Because I was nice. I was all in. You could have taken me from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He had me. He had me really nervous there. All of a sudden, like, oh my God! You know, hey, don't so. be nervous. I'm a doctor. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> so, so your your primary focus, and we were just talking about for the show, is the Da Vinci robot. That's correct. And, and that, my dad had it with his prostate cancer. I forget his doctor's name. At Adina, he was he was just trying it out. This has been like 2017, maybe 16, 17. Okay. Uh, smooth. Well, man, I mean, I, I've had uh, the experience in, in being in a room where where those things are working, and uh, 
I mean, it makes you think. Hey, guys, try the beardedpup.com. Some of the best men's grooming products available on the market. I'll tell you, I have been a big fan of men's grooming products my entire life. And his post-shave balm is the best that I have ever used in my 48 years. Complete facial moisturizer. You can use it on your arms, face, legs, wherever you want. The cologne at thebeardedpup.com will have your wife all over you. Guys, it's real easy. Just go to thebeardedpup.com, pull out your phone. It's really easy. Very interactive website. You can get on there, order a sample pack of any different product that you may want to try. I am here to tell you, this is Chubby Chad endorsed. I think that it is the best product on the market. Beardedpup.com. Get your phone out and go see it. I think that, wow, how far medicine has come. I mean, true. Because I can't imagine the size of the incision that it maybe used to take, and then now they're using those. Is this one Jamie Lewis helped with? I don't Wasn't know. she in on something? I don't know. I'm I don't know. Maybe a rep part. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know much about it other than it's becoming, you know, a very, very common practice. I mean, use I would, it every day. I would go so far as to say, especially for prostatectomy, uh-huh. it's definitely the standard of care. Okay, okay. So uh-huh. if you're having your prostate <laughs> removed and somebody's not using the Da Vinci system, yeah. they're falling short of the standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, would not, you might want to, might want to get a second opinion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you do that? I do not do prostatectomy. That falls in the realm of urology. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They work on cash and prizes. What, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? I will handle my own. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm not, not into not, handling not, another guy's cash and prizes. I'm with you. Totally with you. Tell me this: what when you're talking Da Vinci robot, like what can it be used in virtually anything now? Or I mean, where where are you seeing? Is it primarily abdominal surgery, or where? I mean, no. I mean. Anywhere there's a, a space or a cavity. So chest cavity is becoming, and it's it's a really unique tool for doing chest surgery. As you can okay. imagine, people are having cardiac bypass with it. Oh, really? They're doing That's right. yeah. heart surgery. Okay. And lung resections. And you know, when I trained, we used to do a lot of open thoracotomy, and that's mm-hmm. a vicious operation. Oh, man. I mean, you're Recovery talking about time. putting retractors <sighs> in. Every time you spread it, you know, you give it one more crank just to open it up, and you can hear the rat, ribs and cartilage cracking. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's really a painful operation, but that's kind of revolutionized chest surgery. Oh, yeah. Um, abdominal surgery has come a long way. And I remember, you know, I trained 2000, 2005 for residency. Mm-hmm. And back then, you know, I love doing open laparotomies. You got these big incisions, you know, mm-hmm. I'm getting to participate in the operation because then, you know, I got to open and I got mm-hmm. to close. Yeah. But it's it's really a, a horrific experience for a patient to have their belly opened up, not oh, to mention yeah. the downstream consequences Infectious. later on. Infection and everything. If they need another operation, somebody's been there, their belly's been opened up, they've mm-hmm. got all these adhesions potentially, and then it, it's fraught with danger later on. So laparoscopy came through. Mm-hmm you know, really in the early 90s. And then people were slow adopters to that. You know, you probably have family members that had their gallbladder taken when they had Uh, the big machete incision underneath the, you know, right right rib cage. And then laparoscopy comes along and it really changed that. And there's been really a second paradigm shift now with robotics. And robotics is just a far better operation than having to do with the laparoscope. I, I, I got on the train early. 
Okay. I kind of felt like, you know, this is a decent piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. This is here to stay. You're either going to be on the front of the train to it. Yeah. or you're going to be in the back of the train. Yeah. And, and I was a guy that was an early adopter. Had you, were you using the laparoscope though? Of, yeah. I mean, probably very regularly. Were you kind of trained on that? Yeah, I was fortunate enough that I, I trained in a community hospital in Youngstown, Ohio, St. Oh, Elizabeth. Okay. Yeah. Had five or six attendings that really helped shape my career. And, uh-huh. You know, I look back and I think about the people that I've been around uh-huh. and I feel really fortunate for the people that I got to meet at a certain time in my life. And that was definitely a stage in my life where, you know, I, I felt like I had really great people around me. Uh-huh. And so I, I was pretty proficient with the laparoscope when I came out. Uh-huh. And I continued to kind of hone that. But, you know, after about seven years, I don't want to say I was bored, uh-huh. but it was just kind of the same thing over and over again. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, this this gentleman shows up and he wants to have me come up and take a look at this Da Vinci system. I think, well, you know, I'm pretty good with the laparoscope. I'm not I'm not sure you know, the what's hospital's a, what's a laparoscope? It's a camera. So with laparoscopy, minimally invasive surgery with just a, a small camera. Okay. Uh-huh. That's the way majority of surgery was done back in the you know late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And now we've gone from just using a laparoscope where we're holding the camera and holding the instruments with our arms. So whenever they're looking at the machine, mm-hmm. what they're seeing up there is... Is what we put a camera inside the belly. That's yeah. right. And so now the, the surgical robot actually holds a camera for you and it holds the instruments. And then I sit at a console, which is really like a video game. Yeah. It's in 3D. It's kind of on a hood. It's almost like you know wearing yeah. a VR, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Except you know you're sitting at a console and your face is down in the hood and you're looking inside the belly through the camera, but it's in 3D. So it's all around. Oh. It's all around you. And it's it, it the definition's phenomenal. And then the biggest jump to this equipment is the instrumentation is almost 360. So just like my wrist, my mm-hmm. wrist can only turn 180 degrees. Well, this mm-hmm. instrument can spin almost 360 degrees, mm-hmm. and it's got flexion, extension, and rotation to it. Yeah, well, so with I've the laparoscope, s- you didn't have that. When I've seen it being used, it almost seems like each finger, like the, you can even, is there, can you manipulate those controls? Like ha- how? So the, the controls have two spaces, and okay. most surgeons will use their index fingers okay. and their thumbs, and okay. they're like pinchers. And that's yeah. actually what uses the, the instruments to pinch. Okay. okay. And then when you have your fingers in, you can also roll your hand. Okay. You can go up. You can have some excursion in, out, up, down. It's amazing how precise that thing has to be. It's phenomenal. I mean, does it, does it really, I mean, is it just an extension of your hands? It is. And, uh-huh. and th- so there's a learning curve to get through. Yeah. Um, you know, when Da Vinci comes to sell you on it, you know, they're trying to sell a machine, trying to sell instrumentation. Yeah. When they come to tell you, they, they tell you the learning curve's 30 cases. Okay. No. no. <laughs> it, it's 100 cases before you really start to see your times come down to where you're not taking forever to do an operation. Mm-hmm. And now you're getting proficient at it. And then, you know, I've been doing this 10 years. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better. Um, but I'm at the point in my career now where, you know, I've done almost 3,000 cases with the robot. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah. And I... I can sit down and do an operation. Ooh. I can talk about last weekend. I can talk about a flight, yeah, whatever and else. Yeah, and sure. I just do it because I've just done so much of it. Uh-huh. So, what is, I mean, is it a sterile factor or is it a visual factor? Like, what, other than the incision going in, the entry to the body, what was the, is what, what else are the better qualities about it? Just kind, well, that's of, a, kind of like sitting down in there with that camera, uh-huh. you know? It, and that is true. You almost kind of feel like you've, 
plopped up a chair inside the belly and you're just sitting there working, you know, because yeah. it, it is all around you. But uh, a couple things, and it's a great question because with the laparoscope, if I've got a, a small tube in somebody's belly and I'm using mm -hmm. an instrument and I'm going in and out, and let, let's say, for example, I'm reaching up to grab the gallbladder. Oh. Well, I've got to push on that instrument, right, to go oh. over and grab that gallbladder. Well, the whole time I'm pushing on that instrument, I'm also pushing on that port that's in their belly. Right. And it creates this shear effect on the abdominal wall. Oh. Well, with the connective tissue that's over the muscle, there's tremendous numbers of nerve fibers in there. And so every time you shove on that, guess what? You're just pissing that nerve off. Yeah. And yeah. so it creates pain. Soreness and pain. Yeah. That's right. And with the robot, that cannula or that port is actually fixed in space. I can't move it. Regardless of how much I shove on that console, that port stays right there. The only thing that moves in and out is just the instrument through the tube. And so there's not that what we call port trauma. There's no shear effect on the abdominal wall once you get it set up. And so it's made dramatic improvements in pain tolerance after surgery. Well, like recovery times have to have to be better. It's correct? phenomenal. I mean, so I was one of the first ones to do laparoscopic colon resections at Adena, mm -hmm. uh, where I used to work. And it, you know, when we did them open, so somebody would get a big 10-inch incision in their belly, oh, yeah. they were in the hospital anywhere from three to seven days. Right. Well, I did them with the laparoscope. Guess how long they were in the hospital? Three to seven days. Oh, okay. You know? Okay, yeah. So there, there were some that went home earlier, but there was also some that stayed for seven days or right. maybe even longer. Right. And so we, even though they didn't have that big machete incision on their belly, we didn't right. have to worry about the, the, the downstream consequences of a big laparotomy later right, on. right. You, they were still in the hospital long. Well, then the robot comes along, and the first 10 colon resections I do, I mean, they're leaving in 48 hours. I'm thinking, man, I, something's going on here. Yeah. I'm either really good or this robot's really good. And yeah. it, it really turns out to be the robot. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty slick on it, but yeah. the um, it, it's just a, it completely changed the way Th we does operate. Does it change the game as far as like readmissions and stuff like that? Like Absolutely. Infections. I mean, obviously, smaller incisions and, and things like that. You and less blood loss. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I've had I've had operations where we literally only lose maybe three to four milliliters of blood. Oh my god! Uh, and that's typically from the skin. Right. Oh you know, my, that's not yeah. even that's not even intra-abdominal structures. It's yeah. just just skin bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it it's really changed the game. And mm -hmm. now, and you had asked the question before the show about mm -hmm. you know how do people learn on this? Yeah. And and it used to be to where we had surgeons, and I I'm an observation site, so surgeons will travel in to come watch me, uh -huh. and I've seen less and less of that over the last couple of years, and I think the reason is because most residents are now being trained Damn. in training centers, okay. and they're learning before they even come out. Okay, okay, that's awesome. That's man. crazy. I, I mean, so do, as as a guy that does this, is this your machine, or is this the hospitals? Or? I wish, man, if I could charge for it, that'd be oh. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, the hospital owns it. They're about two million a piece. Okay, Ooh, yeah, and nobody buys them anymore. It's a lease. It's a lease. Yeah, Ooh. because it's really this supercomputer. Well, and there's yeah. probably constant upgrades and, and things of that. That's nature. the whole reason why you don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. How's yeah. it? Does it have software? Like, is it like a cloud-driven base or what is it? So it's connected to the web, and it's crazy. So they've got this new app. I've actually got an app on my phone. It's called My Intuitive, the, the company that makes the Da Vinci Systems Intuitive Surgical. Ooh. And so they've got this app, and it shows me all my cases, and it shows me exactly how long I've been sitting at the console, how long it took me to do the operation. It measures me against the U.S. average mm -hmm. for the, all the surgeons doing that same it's got procedure. got a dashboard. Wow. Gives me top 10%, and then it gives me what my times are. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. I mean. So it's kind of built like the, the medical system is, just to keep up, is having to 
get in not i don't want to say a churn and burn but a see let's how many of these can we get done a day i mean you've obviously there's a demand for what you do yeah i think it's more uh there's definitely a demand but and and if you're really good at what you do then people will seek you out yes but there's also a standard we we don't want to have people asleep forever right you've been around anesthesia yes so when you when you anesthetize patients for hours on end that's not good for the brain so you know yeah, you're physically shutting it down yeah it, you know you you really need to be you need to do a good job you need to take your time do a solid operation but you also don't want to take eight hours to do it and so there's a fine line there yeah wow. so when you know <clears throat> you bring up an interesting point like what what have you noticed since you've been in the medical field like how has it changed like you know you say boy i'd love to be able to bill for that thing yeah like how 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 do you balance that as a physician, man? Like, you know, hey, everybody wants to make money, right? Sure. But you also have a greater responsibility of, hey, there's a patient laying there on the table. How do you balance the modern healthcare world with insurance reimbursements and, you know, how they're paying things as far as like readmissions and everything? Like there's so many things that go into that 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 factor, it seems like. like right. How... how how much of your brain as a physician does that occupy? You know, the money part doesn't occupy very much yeah, of it. Right. You know, obviously I got to be able to feed my family. Right. I like to eat too. Right. Right. Um, but I kind of have a premise for myself. I just need to do a great job for the person that's in front right, of me. Right. And, and if and, I start yeah. there, then everything else kind of works out. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been in, I've been an employed physician my entire career. Mm-hmm. I'm not very business savvy. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I'll be the first, I mean, hell, well, I can't well, even, well, I can't even budget my household. Yeah. You well, know? Well, what, what did but you, you run a robot? But what, but I can run a robot, but, well, but I can't balance my budget. Well, what, wouldn't you rather though be, be the guy that's saying, Hey, look, man, I'm here for the patient. Like you guys in the, in, yeah, in these offices, of you guys take care of, of how we're billing this and all this stuff. Well, I, I did that for the first part of my career. And mm-hmm. I got to be honest, health systems in general, do a terrible job of employing physicians. Okay. Now, there's some places that do it well, but in general, they do a terrible job employing physicians. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because, excuse me, um, when I first got into this, all of the literature was saying, hey, if you do this robotically, it is so much more expensive. Okay. Well, I've just proven that a thousand times over. Yeah. It's not more expensive. Matter of fact, it, there's a ton of cost savings to it, and I won't get you know yeah. this podcast in long enough to get into that. <laughs> right. Plus, nobody you know really gives a shit about yeah. that. But <laughs> anyhow, uh, so what I try to do is I try to do the very best operation I can mm-hmm. for the patient mm-hmm. in the shortest period of time, and I try to be as cheap as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not using all the latest and greatest and burning through a bunch of instruments because every time you slide a new robotic instrument in there, cha ching, two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So it can really run the bill up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So I've streamlined my operations down so much that not only am my time's really quicker than most ten percent of, or it's in the top ten percent of the country. Right. But I'm also one of the cheapest. So you do you do pay attention? Absolutely. To, to, you to have to. Yeah. I you I don't know if you guys know this, but healthcare is now four trillion dollars. Of the gross domestic product, yeah. four trillion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And guess what? In seven years, it's going to be six trillion. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's not sustainable. So something's right. got to change. Right. And we've got to have more people being financially responsible uh-huh. to try to trim costs. And 
I got some partners and we're actually working on trying to get uh, an ambulatory surgery center up and running in Southern Ohio. Yeah. And it's going to cut healthcare probably by 60% as far yeah. as what the patients are going to be charged. Like in, in, in a situation like a, uh, a surgery, a surgery center like that, like mm-hmm. you're looking at uh, probably a hundred percent outpatient. So yeah, the, Medicare will set what can be done as an outpatient. Right, right. There's some surgeries I do that they won't allow for that to be done in an ambulatory surgery center. Okay. That'll probably change because the government's, guess what? I don't know if you guys have realized, but they've been printing some money here of late. Oh, yeah. 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 So they're going to be looking to cut some costs here at some point. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I think at some point, a lot of those cases that have to be done in the hospital are going to be moved to the ambulatory surgery center. Look at that change in the last uh, 10 to 20 years. Yeah, oh, for I sure. I mean, you know, th- there's a lot of those now that are out. Right. People are going in and getting new hips and yep. leaving the same day. And leaving man. the same day. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, why can't whenever you go to the doctor, like, take, take I have a young family, okay? And let's just say that one of us needs blood work. Sure. Okay? Why can't I call the doctor and say, hey, I need some blood work? Um, and they, they, like, rattle me off a list of things that I want done, and then they give me a price, and then I go get it, and I pay that price. Why can't they do that? Why can't they? They can. Why don't they? Um, Because traditionally, that's not the way it's been. And I've got a master's in health administration. So you know a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I know a little bit. You know a lot. No, a tiny bit. Yeah. I'm not really that smart. I I always tell patients, it's kind of funny. I sit down, I talk to them about an operation. Yeah. I draw. I'm a very visual guy, so I draw a lot of pictures. Yeah. And so one of my lines is, I'll tell the patients, you know, I I got to draw you a picture because I can't read or write so well. <laughs> <laughs> and the looks I get sometimes, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, where's the door? I'm out of yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it, you know, it, it's just the way things have been set up for decade over decade over decade. Okay. And mm-hmm. the price transparency is one of the things that's going to happen. It's going to change. It has to. It has to. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'll go. In, it's like you you'll go in for blood work, and then next, you know, which you, I could see, you know, two or three hundred dollars. You're there forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. You have some tests done. They got to send it off. There's there's some labor in there. You know, let's just mm-hmm. say your standard blood work. You know, mm-hmm. triglycerides, insulin levels, and all that stuff. Why? Why? And then, like miraculously, you just get a bill and it's eleven hundred dollars, and or you know, and it's like, well. See, I think a lot of it, a lot of it, you know, has to do with like your what what your insurance coverage. Well, is. but I don't yeah. understand why that that transaction. It seems like there's a great big old circle that's real muddy, in mm-hmm. like a swampy area mm-hmm. that that it goes in one side and it comes out the other, and you never know what it's going to pop out as. Is it going to be wow. a glob of moss or a glob of mud? But you oh, know, yeah. and then and then it by the time it circles back down to you, and it's like, why can't I just take that bill? Okay, and I either pay it or I give it to my insurance if I've met my deductible, my insurance reimbursed me. Why is that so hard? It shouldn't be. This and really should not so be. Here's what happens. So you've got Medicare, Medicaid, government payers, uh-huh. and then you've got private insurance. Uh-huh. And so hospital or health systems will inflate the prices so much because they never want to... Le- cost- for a certain patient. For a, no, for an insurance company. Okay, they yeah. never want to leave dollars on the table. So right. if they, let's say they let's say a, a lab should be right. yeah. let's say they're charging a hundred bucks mm-hmm. and in actuality they could probably still make money if they're getting ten dollars but they may have an insurance company that's they're willing to pay one hundred fifteen yeah yeah and so they'll charge two hundred so they're going to wait mm-hmm. and see what that insurance company's standard pro you know, well and, and I yeah. think that they go into it knowing hey we're not going to get the full price oh absolutely so let's let's yeah. get it up here right and then you know it, and, it's, and there's got to be some cost sharing right. because they're not going to get the amount of money they want out of the government payers and so. They set this really high price. The insurance then pays yeah. 
much higher, right? What helps cover what they're losing on the on the government side? I mean, well, it's, it's no different than like long term care. Mm-hmm. You know, long term yeah. care that transaction is very transparent. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, right. you either you either forego your assets or you pay your monthly bill, or yeah, you know, right. grandpa's out. That's right. Yep. Okay, yep. why is it not? I just do not understand. I, I think this, I think it this, could be headed that way, but I mean, you're 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 looking at an industry though right now where you've got third party companies that are now taking care of billing. You got third party companies yeah. that are doing pri- prior authorizations yeah. from insurance companies. I mean, the consultation services in healthcare oh my. is staggering. Yeah. Oh, they're and just, you talk about why is it so expensive? That, <laughs> that. Yeah. But hey, what about the C suites? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the CEO, mm-hmm. the COO, the CFO. Yeah, right. None of those people drive any revenue at all. They're all overhead. And oh. they've all got big salaries. Big salaries. Oh, yeah. And so that's why ambulatory surgery centers, I think, is going to be a winner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, if, 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 if a doctor goes and, and I go to my family doctor and he says, hey, Pudge, you need your gallbladder taken out. Okay, what's your bill for this visit? We're either going to pay or we're going to take that and we're going to give that to my insurance company. I go to you and I say, here's my recommendation. You call, verify it, schedule me up. Boom. That should be so. I mean, you've, you've got a, uh, a phone charger on a business card. Yeah. You know, like it just tells you where, you know, how, how easy this really could be if they right. wanted it to be. It's, right. It's, I, there's change coming. It'll have to. Yeah. T- tell me, tell me this. Uh, not, not to completely well, hang change. On before gears. I look stupid, sir. But did you see this? Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. These are amazing, man. He's got a business card with a flash drive on yeah, it. Yeah. This one's got the flash drive. How's that work? How's that work? You just uh, spin it right I'll there. Spin it right yeah. There. yeah. USB. Yeah. Oh, USB card and holds what? Four megabytes? Gigabytes? Four gigs. Yep. Four gigs is pretty. Yeah. That's a pretty yeah. good yeah. amount. Yeah. And Jason Prater. Do you guys uh-huh. know Jason? Oh, yeah. 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 You do? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. well, yeah. you mean the man that's driving around all the luscious cars now? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, I told him I was going to bust his chops when <laughs> I got that. Yeah, Prater's a big timer, man. We, we've been trying to get Jason Prater to sit in that seat right there. He won't do it? Will not do it. Uh-uh. He won't. Too shy, man. He gets he gets a little <laughs> he gets a little gun shy around the camera. I know I've noticed that. Well, well he, he, he tries knows to both play, of us well enough to, yeah. to, to he yeah. tries to play this. Well, I'm too busy, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Roll and I mean, hey, he just just, just own it. Wait a minute. Too busy. Pr- I'm not even sure what this guy does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. He has coffee. Yeah, I, I do I, know that. I, I own it, Prater. You're big legging us, dude. <laughs> just just own it. You know? We was joking. He said. I said. I like her. I said. You got your new card. He said. Yeah. He said. Tell everybody I've got this underground business. And I said. Yeah. I'm gonna tell everybody. AP preps a sweatshop. You know, that's right. And, and you know, that's what they do up there instead of box. They just <laughs> they just knit. <laughs> knit. Yeah. Yeah. So it was sure. Prater's idea. He put the QR code. Oh yeah. Goes right Prater's sweet. pretty smart. Yeah, he is. He's a bright guy. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, that goes to my website. You can schedule yeah. an appointment, call me, that's ask awesome, questions, man. whatever. Send me an email. Yeah. I was yeah. talking to somebody today and we were talking about the simplicity. Oh, it was my cousin David at the funeral mm-hmm. home, and I yeah. said, you know. I know it's kind of weird to think about, but I said even you at some point will have to get process oriented. Oh. You will have, you know, whenever you call in, mm-hmm. are you calling about funerals or cremation? You know, and yep. press one. And I said, <laughs> you're, I said, why wouldn't you? It's so easy to streamline stuff. Yeah. People want that. Oh yeah, Absolutely. they expect it. They expect it now. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be easy, or they're going to go to the next guy, man. I mean, you know, that's that's just that's going to be life. But the the thing that intrigues me, I mean, we're, let's kind of come full circle here. And we're going to take a break because I'm about to sweat to death. Uh, are you? Okay. okay. You well, well, we can wait. And Webb, I, I you got to get here, Webb. I want to uh, talk to you, though, about your, your local guy. That's right. You go off, get training, and you decide to practice in the area that you grew up in. Right. And I think that's cool because I don't think that that's something you see a lot. I wish it happened more. Yeah. I mean, because you, 
man, you know the people of Southern Ohio. I mean, we're special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you speak the language. You know, you could you could translate. And uh, I guess let's maybe take a little break Shoot. and then get back you and let's, let's talk about uh, being he, he kind of comfy. Be, being, a, being an Appalachian uh, doctor. Okay, uh, part, two part two coming up. Part two coming up. Boop.